Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I am very happy to be joined by my comrade, Dr. Keith Witt, integral psychotherapist extraordinaire, who is on with me for another edition of The Shrink and the Pundit. So hey, Dr. Keith. Jeff, always so good to see you. Good to see you too, man. So normally, you're the shrink and I'm the pundit. That's right. <laughs> but today, I'm going to be the shrink because <laughs> you wrote me a, a, a note after the elections and, and confessed to being kind of let down and depressed. And, you know, yeah. I, I actually kind of get it. So, uh, you know, j just to sort of put the context, the Democrats did get the House of Representatives. So that's the most important thing. Yes. But disappointments elsewhere and a feeling of letdown. And so how would you, what do you think? Yeah. And, and so I, I feel a little let down and I'm a happy guy as we established in our last episode, but I was actually standing at the street and a truck went by and I thought, wow, I wonder what it would be like to throw myself in front of that truck. <laughs> well, Keith, oh, Keith, that's a sign that you're probably feeling that. And you know, I'm kind of at a loss around this election. And here's why I'm, I, I'm partly at a loss. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, general, I'm good in person with really dealing, being in respectful discourse with almost anyone. Um, I have good instincts around that. My unconscious has grown to the point where I can do that and I like doing that. But one thing that this whole thing is highlighted is I, I, I now instinctively go to this bifurcation of two value systems. One value system is to consolidate power at the top and extract as much from the 99% as possible, which is a value system. I, I know that there's morality. I know everyone has a value system, a moral system. And then there's the value system that I have at Green and Teal, which is um, what serves the highest good for everybody. And particularly at Teal, what serves the highest good for everybody, including the economy and including the people at the top. And I find myself having moral contempt for that other value system. Well, I don't blame you. If I defined it that way, I would too. <laughs> I, well, maybe I'm defining it, it wrong. Well, please, you know, the, 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 okay, the one system is the one who wants to torture puppies. Yes, okay? that's exactly right. To extract right. as much as possible from the 99% for the 1%. You could argue that that's a piece of it, but there's a lot more. And actually, I think as a sort of an integral practice or project, we want to find what's good about that worldview. So help me. What's good about that worldview, Jeff? I mean, I saw, <laughs> I, I, I was, I really want a better to win. Oh God, I wanted him to win so much in Texas. Yeah, I know. Um, I, and not only that, Keith, but to have Ted Cruz lose. Oh God, I hate Ted Cruz. I admit it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would be respectful with Ted Cruz in person. Yes. But, you wouldn't you know, jeer him in a restaurant? Ugh, I would not, I wouldn't be, I would not be rude to anybody because I don't believe in that. I think treating human beings respectfully, everybody is an expression of God well, and I don't believe in, yeah. in treating God disrespectfully, yeah. but, but boy, you know, from, from my mission of wanting to, to help children thrive and help families thrive and stuff, um, you know, 
One, one of my clients is teaching an entrepreneur class at Crenshaw High in LA, and he told me 70% of the kids in that school are in foster care. I went, that's a social pathology that we could do something about one generation and we're yeah. not. Yeah. And it's that political philosophy that stops it. So it's hard for me to not have moral contempt for that. Right. I go, you know, what's, if I take five, you see what I mean? Here I go. And so this kind of makes me look at the system and also recognize this will never stop. This is an ongoing process of evolution. Um, I think that the illusion of Obama for, for, for me and maybe for everybody is that we thought there'd be big change all of a sudden overnight. And there isn't big change all of a sudden overnight. There's gradual evolutionary changes that yeah. has ups and downs. And generally, as we all know, the progressives always eventually win. It's, it's, it's hard to give people rights, but even harder to take rights away from people. Yeah. Like the pre Well, I think uh, actually, Keith, we could start there. Okay, let's start I mean, there. We're winning the war. Okay. I mean, and, 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 that feels good. But, Thank but you. you. Well, yeah, but you can't win every battle, yeah. of course. And, you know, there are, for our purposes, you know, there's three worldviews competing, traditionalism, modernism, and postmodernism. Yeah. But, um, you know, we could also bifurcate that and okay. see that there's the progressive and the conservative. And, you know, and the question is, what is the piece of the truth that, we need in order to move to a new integration of the two, because I have to, you know, just from a uh, sort of basic theoretical point of view, there's going to be some integration of the two that yeah. moves us forward. And there's lots of examples of that, one of which is gay marriage, where yes. gays argued actually for a traditional value, military service and marriage, and moved the progressive ball. And, and so we, we're, we're seeing that now even, um, even if you think about Obamacare and, you know, Obama wasn't an illusion, but Obama made huge uh, contributions and huge changes, one of which was Obamacare, which, you know, as George Will said, it's a rhythmic heart is still beating. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and especially after the election. I mean, we can point out that I think it was Obama, or Obama, Idaho, um, what is it? I actually have it written down here. Utah, Nebraska, and Idaho approved ballot initiatives to expand Medicaid. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Florida voted to reenfranchise a million felons. Oh, at I the see, same that makes time. Me feel better. Yeah, so there's an integration that's happening. People have a basic sense of fairness uh, that is, um, you know, uh, just, I'm just noting another uh, comment I, I, I took down here. Arkansas and Missouri voted to raise the minimum wage. Aww. You know, so there, you know, it's not as simple as it sort of is in our ideological space, I guess. And, and I okay. think there's a, there's a, that's an important space. And we can actually even look at the polarization that we're experiencing in this country as a evolutionary move towards differentiation. Before there's a, 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 a possibility okay. of a true integration, there has to be a fucking differentiation and that ain't never pretty. So yes, yeah, so let's, let's talk about that for a second, okay? Um, I, I wanna see the healthy aspects now, maybe it's because I'm looking at stuff often from, uh, from an integral standpoint that just reflexively 
looks at the healthy aspects of both sides. Um, I have, I like the idea of business doing really well. I like the idea of people being able to be billionaires. I like the idea of people having organizations. I, I think I think the organizations, institutions, you know, companies with growth hierarchies, really quick response responses with, with a lot of creativity are the, are the future and are going to yeah. create miracles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I'm all over well, that. Let, okay. let me just, in that vein, Keith, let me read from a, uh, David Brooks's column this morning. I in love the New York David Times. I do too. He often, like I said, he has a proto-integral uh, uh, sensibility. Yeah. Um, so this is him this morning. What the working class is still trying to tell us, and this is, um, he's talking about Trump voters for the most part. Yeah. And, and it's, it's in the same ballywick. He, and this is part way in, he says, this is still a country in which nearly 20% of prime age American men are not working full time. This is still a country in which only 37% of adults expect children to be better off financially than they are. This is still a country in which millions of new jobs are through, quote, alternative work arrangements, like contracting or consulting. And isn't everybody you know in some kind of something like that? Sure. You know, which means, as he says, no steady salary, no predictability, and no security. No benefits, right? yes. Yeah, no benefits. All right, and then he goes on, he says, one more paragraph, part of the problem is misplaced priorities. For the last several decades, American economic policy has been pinioned on one goal, expanding GDP, gross domestic product. We measure GDP, we talk incessantly about economic growth. Between 1975 and 2015, American GDP increased threefold. But what good is that growth if it means that a thick slice of America is discarded for efficiency reasons? And that's, you got to feel into, you know, I'm talking to my uncle Blaine the other night and what's going on in the Steel Valley and there is, um, they didn't want Hillary Clinton. You know, they, they didn't want Jeb fucking Bush. And they love Trump. And they love Trump because there's something that is being lost. And it's something that is seen from a green perspective as racist, because yeah. it is actually ethnocentric. I mean, that's another word for racist, isn't it? It's just sure depending on how mean you are about it. But I think it's a distinction we can make. Yeah. You know, the same with, you know, traditional sex roles. Uh, you know, they're just people, they're... Well, let me but, ask you but, something But what the upside, oh, okay. I want to ask a question. Yep. So what is the, the right power structure? What do they want to do for those people? Right. I mean, what do they want to, how do they want to take care of them? I mean, yeah. where, where is some actual care for them? Right. Actual help to them? Um, do they really want to? I mean, I don't know. Do they say they want to and are hypocritical about it? Do they believe that they're helping by not giving them anything and, and, and automating their jobs? I mean, help me out here. What are they doing? What's that group, you know, the, you know, the conservative power structure, what are they doing for their voters? What are they doing for them? Other than giving their outrage a voice. Well, Trump's the one who's really carrying the banner for that. And, you know, he's putting tariffs on the international competitors. I mean, you can argue about the economics of that, 
and maybe it'll turn out to not be so good, but I don't know that. I, don't, I really don't. Uh, and, and there's some sense of just the, it's like there was an interview of a, of a woman in Trump country and she was, they were asking her why she loves Trump. And she says, I, I think that Trump has a heart for America. And wow. he does, he actually does, uh, Keith, in the sense of, you know, it's almost, you know, it comes from that sort of red ethnocentric us guys, you guys, but it's expanded to include the nation. Now he has his biases and, and you know, I can't be in the position of defending Trump for very long. So don't expect <laughs> much here. Yeah, but nevertheless, he's carrying a banner for people. There's medications who, for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's carrying the banner for people who, um, uh, you know, want to be in the conversation and want to be seen. And they, they feel like they're not seen. They feel like they're invisible. This is what and, I just. And the question is, what what is he doing for him? Uh, you know, jawboning for Harley Davidson, and you know what he can in a way, uh, pissing off our allies that have been taking advantage of us, according to him. But he, I just got oh, something. I just got something as you were talking. Okay. Okay. I, that that it's a, that it's a substantive thing for them that he's attacking people they're mad at. Absolutely. I mean that's. That's a substantive effect of his presidency. Yeah. You know, like they don't like people of color. They don't like, they don't like others. You know, they're ethnocentric. Trump will attack those and they're no, with no political correctness. <clears throat> well, they don't they like China making a lot of money. Trump attacks China. So, I'm, you know, I never really thought before this moment, actually, what a substantive benefit that is for the, you know, sure, they're not getting their health care. They're not getting, you know, their bed, they're not getting any financial stuff and they're being screwed in a lot of other ways. Not to mention not getting the things that are, they're making them sick, regulated, you know, big pharma, all that stuff, medicine. But they are, they have somebody who's attacking someone they're mad at. And that's very satisfying. Now that I think about it, that's really satisfying for both Amber and Orange. That's, that's a benefit. Um, okay. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, that um, makes sense, I guess. I mean, I, I, that makes me feel better for some weird reason. I don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it, 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 you know, just shows the sort of natural human uh, uh, response. But, you know, I think it, it's useful even to put ourselves in a similar position. Okay. You know, let's say that we had this wild ass progressive president that got in there through God only knows how, Elon Musk on his worst day. Elon Musk on the day that he sent the Thai cave rescuers a pedo man text or a tweet <laughs> accusing him of, of pedophilia because he didn't want him to have his publicity stunt with the submarine. Anyway, so Elon Musk, and, and, but here he is and he's busting heads and he's uh, insulting people and he's breaking norms, but he's taking us towards single payer. Uh -huh. He's building a big safety net for the kids, especially the, the kids. Mm -hmm. He's taking on big pharma. He's knocking heads internationally and calling our friends out and our allies out for their hypocrisy on climate change because this is a, it, it's a, 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 we need a world Marshall plan for carbon energy. We'd forgive a lot. You're so right. We I mean, forgive I, a lot. No one has ever presented me with that scenario before, but you know, you're right. I would forgive him being, you know, an asshole. You'd forgive him pretty him. much anything. Yeah. I would. If he was and doing he, all that stuff, I would go, okay, you know, I'm going to ignore the, the bullshit because he's, he's moving it forward and he's doing the stuff that I feel yeah. is important. 
Yeah. Good point, Jeff. Yeah. And we really, Keith, we have to, we, we, we're at a spell, those of us who are in progressive culture. We have no idea the, the hegemony of culture that we have, that people who aren't part of it definitely know. It's as if we were living in a world where everything was Fox News, uh. everything, except there would be one or two little MSNBCs or something. Uh, but but that, that actually was the way of things before the 60s. I was reading a, a, an article in Politico about the media, and they talked about that, particularly after World War II, and this is just a big national consensus. We had won the war, you know, we're all together. Uh, the media basically just reported press releases from the government. There was, a, there was investigative journalism didn't really exist wow. until the 60s. And then, wow. and actually, it's a function of this emergence of postmodern culture, where all of a sudden, there is a whole new worldview that has come online. Vietnam, you know, mainly Vietnam really brings it on because they're going to take me to the fucking jungle. Yeah, you guys, yeah, right. This is an emergency. Stop everything. You know, so, and so there's this adversarial relationship that forms in the media towards uh, the government. You know, they saw John Kennedy ushering women in and out of the White House all the time. They thought right. it wasn't a problem. Well, this is something that just occurred to me again. I mean, this is what happens when you do political therapy. You know, the person you're doing it with has insight. So, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, it makes me really proud to be an American because when that happened, that happened. You know, when investigative journalism started, hardly any of those guys got thrown in jail and killed. Not like Russia, right? Right. Um, that, that, that freedom of speech gave room for change. Now, yeah. freedom of speech has given room for alternative facts and, and, and blatant lying, okay? Um, and, and, and I think there's, there, there needs to be regulation. I mean, I, there already is. You can't blatantly incite violence and stuff. And I think someday there'll be, there'll be a regulation about you can't blatantly tell a lie in a political ad um, without some kind of consequence. Or, you can't, yeah. or, or, or one senator can't blatantly block a, a Supreme Court. Yet. You know, some procedural changes that really are, are. But, you know, the Constitution, those guys, you know, and now that I think about it, two years, four years, and six years meant that there was never one election cycle where a big wave of emotion, or very rarely, would completely change everything. There'd be somebody that was there from the previous wave of emotion. They really arranged it so that there, 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 that there wouldn't, there, there'd be less chance of a dictatorship taking over. Um, yeah, well, it's built that way. Yeah, that's pretty great. As I often point out, Madison and these guys, they knew Trump. Trump would not be a better than we did for them. They they built this the, the system around uh, Trump. So uh, you know, and we've seen it work here. You know, did we want more? Yes, of course we wanted more. But um, you know, there's uh, I really have th this idea of identity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind, you know, it was, used to be, it's the economy stupid. It's yeah. the identity stupid now. Mm. And that these identities, it's just, as, as part of the evolutionary force, they have to pull apart. And there's, there's I see. actually in history, typically that happens with war. And of course, history is replete with war. 
And the dirty little secret about war is that it's very evolutionarily potent in yeah. terms of new worldviews coming online. Actually, I was just reading an article about in, in The Atlantic about inequality. And inequality uh, diminishes radically after wars because the establishment's generally been damaged or obliterated Interesting. in some ways. So, so now we're in a culture war. And my thesis is that we are at a center of gravity adequate that we will do this with a very minimal of bloodshed. There's, you know, clearly we see it. I agree with equally. that. I think that's a, I think that's a, a wonderful statement about, about this era that we have, the, the tide has risen to be less physically violent. I just think that's a, an evolutionary uh, triumph. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And so, you know, in a way that gives us, uh, helps us relax a little bit about the culture war, the idea that this shouldn't be happening, it's awful that it is, I can't stand it, somebody has to be condemned, you know, yeah. that whole cycle that we do, and flip that and see that this should be happening maybe, or at least as a thought experiment, let's think that maybe it should, and as we do, we expand where we can, it's, you know, it's like the grandparent at the playground, it's like, oh, look at them. You know, and, and let's just make sure they don't hurt each other. Uh, and, you know, sunshine and food will take care of them. They will grow. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, it ain't always pretty. See, but you know, we don't want it to ruin our fucking lives. You know? See, that's, that's the hard thing about it. You know, uh, you know, when you do Big Mind, you know, those Big Mind moments, Big Mind is responsible for everything. And so there's a part of me that sees the suffering and feels responsible. You know, I'm a grandparent that way, really, really. You know, I'm kind of about that age, even though I don't have grandchildren, maybe someday, but not now. Um, and I feel like somehow I should do something to prevent it. And it's hard to allow the differentiation disintegration with the reintegration. And I have a question about that for you. So you've been seeing these cycles. What do you think, so let's assume that we're doing the differentiation and that, and that out of that will come more disintegration from what the isn't working. What do you see the, the, the reintegration process? What's gonna happen, I mean, is it, is it the millennials having a different sense of identity, identity more with, with their millennial consciousness than with say Republican or Democrat? I mean, what, what do you think it's gonna- yeah, what's, what's really interesting in terms of the culture war to me is seeing the millennials fight it and there huh. there are there are those on the left and those are the you know the jordan peterson people and the yeah. you know and and candace whatever her name is and uh, -huh. uh versus the sort of typical lefties and uh, -huh. uh but there's and it's fierce uh but you know, you just get the feeling that there's something fruitful happening and they're, they're approaching it with a new mind mm. that, and, and that of course they are. That's how, that's the way of things. I mean, look at the difference between our mind and the mind of our parents. You know, I mean, it's just going to have to be that way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I think that, and then I also think that there is, um, well, let me just actually go back to the David Brooks column for a second, because he put a... Um, I wouldn't mind him being president. Well, exactly. He, he's my favorite Republican. I mean, if he was to face the Republican Party, I go, sure, let's cooperate with him. Let's make good things happen. I mean... Yeah, 
Well, and, and, and I actually think after Trump, there's, let me just, I'll start actually with a, a quick quote I have in front of me with, from George Will. Oh, and he's okay. talking about the, you know, the post-Trump era. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says that amiability could be infectious in a nation <laughs> weary of politics practiced as, and he quotes Henry Adams, quote, the systematic organization of hatreds. Ah. That's what we're doing in a way right now. We're systematically organizing hatreds. Exactly. Isn't that something? I mean, yes. the Lord works in mysterious ways, and I wish he had asked me before he set this up. But yeah, anyway. that's why I don't like my moral contempt, because that's me wanting to hate um, their moral standard, and I know that that's not right, but no, I but you could, willing up. But you could see the pernicious uh, manifestations of their worldview, one yeah. of which is rapacious uh, consumption and, and you know, exploitation. That's, right. that's there. What you said is, is true. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's so much more, so much more. And also just this echo of karma and history and ancestors and the wind blowing through the trees and the hills and the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, you know, that, that piece, it's actually, I, I talked about it uh, last podcast, an earlier column by David Brooks, where he's talking about national identity and that people have in this country, well, they'll cop to having a world identity. I feel like a citizen of the world. There's about 5% of the people who will say that. Mm -hmm. Then But most other people are like their identity is local and community or city and the nation's getting left out. So we need this new, we, we, we need to have a new story about what it is to be an American, and and every country does, you know. And what is what is it to be a Brit? What is it to be a Persian? What is it to be Chinese? You know, Nigerian, whatever it might be, that needs to be. You can't leave that behind. And the soulless modernists want to, and I've been part of that for my whole life. So have I, and you know, I'm thinking that leaves the territory for Trump to define exactly. nationalism instead of us defining nationalism. Thank you. Thank then, you. Now, this is another great insight. So yes. my job is to define nationalism in America in the terms that I think America should, like David Brooks does all the time. Yes. What should Americans stand for? Yes. You know, we should stand yes. for progressive values. We should stand for human rights. We should stand for our constitution. Yes. I, I yeah. sang um, a, a first verse of a Christian hymn the other show. Oh, I don't there you go. Oh, blessed be the ties that bind our hearts and Christian love, the fellowship of kindred souls or whatever it is. I don't know how it is. But it's the, this, it brings in this louche of my people. Mm -hmm. And we soulless, soul-bleached modernists, we're more than happy to you know, leave that behind and go make our way in this new world of money and achievement. Not everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's a big, big swath of people who say, you, you can't go without this. And it comes with some bad consequences, but there's something in there that's important. I think so. You know, as you talk about this, I remember that book, The End of History, that, ever, that was so controversial. Francis Fukuyama. Yeah, Fukuyama's book. And one of the things that, that made me proud was that, in that book, he framed America as being the most powerful country on earth, um, taking a stand for human rights. And I thought, okay, that's the way I want my country to use its power. 
taking a stand for equal opportunity, basically trying to expand the Bill of Rights beyond our borders. And if that's a national identity, I'm proud of that. Um, that's that's a national identity that I can get behind and I can support. I do support. Right. I do too. And I would say that in the in, in the stream of that thinking, if you only think that way, you end up with Iraq. Well, because yeah. we thought we could we thought we could, you know, take the lid off of that thing and they would be you know, they would rise to the level that we wanted them to. Well, that's, that's Amber doing that. Amber doesn't care about facts. If, if you actually care about science, you know, if Orange did it, I mean, if really smart Orange did it, Orange would look at the social research. How do you help countries grow and how do you help do it? And you don't do, you know, invading people doesn't work. Yeah, well, how fair many enough. times okay. has that had been? Okay, but that's just the sort of a naive, simplistic view that I actually used to subscribe to of this idea of, of human rights are, are universal and must be implemented universally. I well, thought that for decades. Well, that must is a green pathology, isn't it? Exactly. Every it time, anytime it's I'm even, reading it's even an orange it? pathology in a way, in the sense that that human rights thing comes online. It, it's hypocritically brought online at first, yeah. uh, but at least it's brought online. Yeah, anytime so, you start hearing the musts, you know, you're, you're kind of on the, the pathological side of that worldview. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, the, 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 you know, I, I remember seeing an article from these therapists about diversity, and there were like eight musts in it. And I went, "Oh God!" Yeah, yeah, like, this exactly. Is, this is pathological green, just yuck, yeah. yuck, yuck. And and so that for me, what that also means is that we're friendlier to this sort of um, ideological or identitarian retrenchment that we're okay. seeing in countries like Hungary and Turkey and the Philippines and now Brazil and even China in the way that they're, you know, have their cameras everywhere and everybody has a social score, whether they're jaywalking or whatever. That's, that's an amazing thing. That's actually, that, that seems like a really good way to bring a billion people into modernity and keep them from going crazy because you don't want a billion pre-modern people who want to avenge Chinese soul and history. Right. And be, oh, Lord. So I pray for the good health of the Chinese Communist Party every morning. Uh, really? Not really, but... Uh, well, just but to have a lot worry. of people believing that they should be civil. You well, know, the, the Big Brother's literally watching, but Big Brother's watching to see if you spit on the sidewalk is yeah. more than Big Brother is watching about whether you're, I don't know, having sex with your wife. Well, and it also creates, there's, you know, the, the internment camps or what, you know, they call oh, them yeah. re-education camps, you know, but, but this, here's another piece that I think Integral brings in, and it's, it's hard to bring it in, actually. And that is this realization that there's no suffering-free option. Yeah, good. Available. Good to hear that again. Yeah. So... And you don't, to, to sort of admit that is, feels like you said, I don't care. And that's, we have to do both at the same time. We have to let that fucking break our heart and see where that takes us in terms of our own action and whatever. And also realize that there is, there are, that watching things grow is not always pretty. Well, and also when you're saying that, I'm thinking when, when my heart is broken, when I see that 70% in foster care in that high school. Um, oh my goodness. You know, when I see the, you know, the, 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 the so many children and, and, and families stressed. Um, 
One of my favorite studies is a study they did with these poor rhesus monkey mothers. And they, they put them in a situation. I don't know if I can hear this one. Uh, I'm sorry. No, go, well, go for it. Okay. It's a series. Okay. They put them in environments where one environment, there was all the food they wanted. Another environment, there wasn't enough food. And another environment, they had food sometimes and food other times. In the environment where there's plenty of food, everybody did fine. In other words, if there's plenty of everything, we just we do natural development. In the, in the environment where there wasn't enough consistently, they adapted. You know, they still had a monkey family. In the environment where sometimes there was food and sometimes not, the mothers were anxious all the time. They were freaking out. You know, they were just, you know, they weren't worrying about food. Where's the food? Okay, so they measured the stress hormone levels of their, of their little kids. Well, after about two or three months of this, the stress hormones of the little kid monkeys was the same as Vietnam veterans who had PTSD. But that's not the worst news. The worst news is years later, they still had those stress hormones, okay? So I think about all the kids being raised in this country from parents who feel like, well, maybe we're okay, maybe we're not, okay? I want them to all feel we're okay. Because those kids are not going to be like those little monkeys. They're less likely to do that. And I mean, we have more choice than monkeys. But that's what, you know, worries yep. me. Absolutely. And when I get upset about that stuff, there's a primitive part of me, Jeff, that's looking for fucking somebody to blame for it. You know, to hate about it. And then that's where my moral contempt comes in. And I think, you know, as we talk, that's really where my work is. You know, when that happens, I need to, rather than indulge it, you know, return to our conversation. Um, you know, recurring to the fact that, it, that there's always human beings enacting this stuff and they're always enacting it from their own moral system and their own worldview. And most people- Which is that they're right. trying to create a, a better world for their grandchildren. That's what yeah. they're trying to do. Everybody is. Yeah, so that By their helps. lights. Yeah, that, so that, this is, you know, so I don't feel so let down right now. Thank you <laughs> for doing political therapy today. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. No, I, it's- I'm feeling better about it because that's my work. My work yeah. is I don't need to I don't need to find somebody to hate. Right. I need to find where to invest my compassion, and understanding, where to invest my money, my time, my attention, and my work yeah. to help move the evolutionary thing forward with as little violence and as much help for everybody as possible. That's my work, and sometimes right. it's hard work. Sometimes I can't do it very well. Yeah. No, me too. No, I I I just I notice myself having my reactions as best I can. That's that just progress itself is to you know witness it instead of just be completely gripped by it that's right that's but the you know it, it is a uh, it, it's what we're called on to do as we move into the integral stages of consciousness is to drop this condemnation and hatred and replace it with um, love, actually, if you just want to get right down to it. Yeah, I, I get that. That's what Kevin not in the last year and a half. Yeah, and not an indiscerning love. It right. actually discerning helps love. us to get into the game. And you still, you know, cut off heads. And you still are in the arena. But it's, a, it's, it's different. It's a liberated. It's, it's a, you know, the, the peaceful, conscious warrior. Whatever. Yeah, the love warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a that's just a change in orientation, but it's it changes everything. It does. You know, it really I, I does. can feel it as you talk. You know, I can feel and, and it's it's interesting how I got away from it this week. 
Yeah. My, my discipline yeah. has taken me away from that this week. This is one of, one of the reasons I wanted this conversation. Yeah. I could just, yeah. some, on some level, I was indulging that desire to find somebody to hate and blame. Yeah. And, yeah. and it felt wrong. It felt wrong. It still well, feels wrong, but now I can see it more clearly as we talk about it. Who's that woman senator, Marsha Blackburn? I kind of instinctively hate her. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Marsha. I don't even know you, but you, 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 you know, I have a ke bad chemistry with her, Ted Cruz. Actually, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. post, -hum post, post Trumpian humiliation. I do have a soft spot for Ted, <laughs> but whatever. All right. So, um, what else? I think we're. I feel pretty good. I, I think, I think you've helped me out. I mean, that was my agenda today. <laughs> I wanted good. political therapy from my good friend Jeff, yeah, and I got well, it. I appreciate yeah. it a lot. Yeah, my. I, my and I feel pleasure. oriented. You know, I, I'm I'm reminded that in the second tier, we just we all we have all the first tier instincts and defenses. They come up. If we can observe them with compassion and with a, with a, a teal a moral standard, with our forward edge moral standard, they get folded into, you know, our, our own emergent worldview. I'm also struck in our conversation, um, and the conversation I have with most people at, at, at Integral Attitude, how easily we change our minds about stuff. You know, show us a better way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that. And I got to remember that that's, it's not that easy in the first yeah. tier to do that. No, it's not. I, and, you know, and I, and I have to forgive people for not changing if they're shown something that's better for them or better for other people or better and, and so on. Yep. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, you even, we have to soften our idea that we even know for sure. I don't you know. know for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we know and we, we have to follow our moral instincts Hallelujah. Uh -huh. But, you know, I always think about Trump. He's always talking about aggressing on other people by thinking you know what they ought to do and, and stop aggressing on other people, which, of course, would throw us postmoderns completely into a tizzy because the last thing we thought we were doing was aggressing That's when true. we were getting in there and trying to straighten these people out. Well, uh, now, you know, well, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I have all kinds of aggressing impulses. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I've had an model a bunch we of them this can week. can see them instead of be them. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's, uh, that's all we could ask, I think, at this stage of the game. Well, to everybody out there, my, you know, I'm, as I think about all this, feel about it, and talk to, talk to Jeff about it, we all need to stay engaged. And one thing I want us all to do is continue to have these conversations with everybody and yeah. especially people we disagree with. Um, I think that there's a magic to me. If I have somebody in my sphere is a Trump supporter, I'll have a respectful conversation. And I think that's serving this whole process. Oh yeah. It's so, it's, I want to it's so much more interesting that. and exciting than just having a bitch fest with your people who think like you do. Yeah, I hate doing rants, even though they feel good when I'm doing <laughs> I think they feel good, too. They just wear, wear quickly. Anyway, Brother Keith, thank you Brother so much Jeff. for another episode of The Shrink and the Pundit. And we are going to get our own theme music. We're working yes, on it. Yes, we we're are. It's only taken us three years, but we are getting very, very close. Yeah, we're, we're within striking distance of the <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Check back at the Daily Evolver, Shrink of the Pundit. Thank you, Dr. Keith. People, if they're interested in your stuff, they can find more about you at? 
drkeithwitt.com where you can find out more about my latest book, Loving Completely, which if you haven't got a copy, get a copy. <laughs> I agree. Do it. All right, gang. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. Much love to everybody. Bye.